Welcome to week number six, our finale in our series from this day forward, and uh, we're concluding it uh, today. And and, uh, before we jump in, I just want to wish everyone uh, in the Valley family a happy Thanksgiving, uh, especially those of you that are are in Poughkeepsie today. I, I hope you've recovered from the turkey fest and you're no longer tripping on tryptophan and You've recovered from the meat sweats, which of course lead to meat coma. So hopefully you're, you're alert and, and awake and, and ready to go today. And, and we're going to, to wind up this series today talking about never giving up. That, that really, that's, that's the thing we have to be really committed to. And we're going to discover maybe for many of us, a word that we weren't really very familiar with, and hopefully we'll have the full understanding or a much fuller understanding today, and that is the word covenant, because that's the way that we never give up, is when we understand that marriage is actually a covenant. In this series, just a quick review, uh, you know, we all know the statistics that in our nation, the divorce rate's 50%, half of the marriages don't make it, and, and we really, uh, if it leaves us with asking the question, are great relationships even possible? Is it even possible to have a, a, a great marriage? And, and not only that, we've been talking about all kinds of relationships uh, in this series, parent to child as well, and just friendships and growing friendships uh, w- with other people. And, and here's the thing that I think is so important for us to, to really understand. If we follow the way of the world, we're going to get the world's results. If we follow the way that everyone says marriage should go and all, we're going to end up being a statistic. And so we have to make that choice. Are we going to follow the way of the world and get the world's results, or are we going to follow the way of God and get God's results when it comes to our marriages? And that means, in essence, never giving up. And so that's what we, we've really been hitting on over the last uh, uh, six weeks in this series is that, that from this day forward means that we get a fresh start, that, that every day we get a blank page from God from this day forward. And we can actually draw a line and say things are going to be different from this day forward based on the fact that we're going to live our life, we're going to live our marriage together from this day forward following God's way not the world's way. And when we started off week one, we, we kind of looked at this passage of scripture as an overarching uh, passage for where we were going. In Lamentations chapter three, beginning in verse 19, the prophet Jeremiah writes, and he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. He says, I remember all the stuff in the past and it causes me to get downcast and depressed. And then he goes on and he says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, that's what gives him hope. It's not based on what someone else does. This is very important where we're headed today. It's not based on what my spouse does or doesn't do, did or didn't do. Because of the Lord's great love, he has hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Then he goes on and he says, They're new every morning, great is your faithfulness. And so every single morning, God gives us new mercy, new compassion, new every morning, and great is God's faithfulness. And that's what this whole series is about as we're talking about from this day forward. And again, just reviewing where we've been. Week number one, we talked about the importance of seeking God together. It's so important that God is first. 
and our spouse is second, but, but we don't put our spouse in that number one slot. When we do, no one can stand that kind of, that kind of pressure, those type of expectations. And so God has to be first. That was week one. Week number two, we talked about fighting fair, rules of engagement. And so many times when we do have conflict, and conflict's gonna come in marriage, just like every relationship, we need to kind of know what's in bounds and what's out of bounds. And so we talked about fighting fair. Week number three, we talked about having fun and, and how important uh, the sexual relationship is in marriage and why God created it and what it really uh, does in marriage to solidify the marriage and what it does outside of marriage to cause distrust and to break and to cause distance and break that relationship. That message wasn't online, but, but so many of you were here to hear that. And then week number four, uh, we talked about staying pure, and, and Pastor Stephen Francis did a great job about talking about real dating in a real world. And if you missed that, I encourage you to check it out. Last week, we were looking at uh, training children, and, and Dr. Ron Cottle was here and, and gave a great message practically from Proverbs, and, and I also did one as well. Both of those are on our church website. If you missed either one of those, you can pick up on those about training children. And then this week, we're going to talk about never giving up, the importance of persevering, of finishing together. Never give up. And so it's, it's important that we're real about these things, right? I, I mean, there's a lot of truth in the whole saying opposites attract. Let, let me just show you this for just a minute, see how this works out. Uh, those of you that are married, uh, how many of you are the punctual ones? Just raise your hand. Let me see. All right, I see that hand. There you go. All right. Okay, how many of you are the ones that are always late? Isn't that funny? Look at how that works out. Just like that. How about this one? How many of you are planners? It's like you've got to have everything planned out. And then how many of you are just on the journey, just enjoying the process? There you go. See how that works? Opposites attract. How about this one? How many of you are savers? Let me see your hands there. Save, save, save. All right. How many of you are spenders? Let me see your hands. Okay, ushers, would you just right now come? These that have their hands uh, raised right now, we just went, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But opposites really do attract. And, and the things that attract us so much about our spouse that, that drew us to him in the first place are the same things after the wedding that pull us apart because they're so different than we are. So completely different. And so uh, one of the big lessons that we need to learn in this in our culture, and especially in our marriages, but in our culture as well, we've got to stop making relationships disposable. We, we have to stop making relationships disposable. I heard someone say this recently. I think there's a lot of truth with it. If you're not right with people, you're not right with God, period. Because we demonstrate our love for God by how we treat other people. And it's incomprehensible, inconceivable uh, to me based on everything God's word said that a Christian cuts relationships off, just severs them, and think they're all right with God. I I'm not talking about being in an abusive relationship. I I'm talking about just turning our back on someone else and think God's okay with that. And so we, especially when it comes to marriage, we've got to stop making relationships disposable. Let's look at a passage of scripture uh, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 19 where the Pharisees, the Jewish teachers of the law at the time of Jesus, they came to Jesus and they're trying to trap him on this issue of divorce. 
And let's hear what he has to say. Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse three. It says, some Pharisees came to him to test him. In other words, right here the Bible says, their hearts, their motivation was not pure. They're trying to test him. They're trying to find fault with him. Some Pharisees came to him uh, to test him and they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and for every reason. Now let me give you a little background here uh, about biblical times. In biblical culture, in the Jewish culture over 2,000 years ago, that literally a man could divorce his wife for any and everything. In fact, uh, doing a little research on this, I found this pretty uh, amazing uh, tidbit of information. Many Jewish men would actually carry their marriage certificate inside their robe. And if their wife began to do anything they didn't like, they'd simply pull that out so she could see it. And all they literally had to do was take that certificate out and tear it up right in front of her and they were divorced. Can you imagine living under that? You know, uh-oh, <laughs> my wife serves dinner and it's a little bit cold. Oh, you see this right here? Huh, how you like that? Yeah, better be hot next time. That was the culture that Jesus was living in where there was no-fault divorce, just like our culture is. Can get divorced for any reason whatsoever. And so they're asking him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason whatsoever? Just because she doesn't make him happy. Just because she's not fulfilled. Just because she's not adored. Just because he, uh, she doesn't give him what he wants. Any and every reason. Jesus replied and says, haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning the creator made them male and female. God created humanity. God created the first relationship between a man and woman, first husband and wife. He's the one that knows how marriage is supposed to work. Jesus is quoting it and he goes on and he says, and said, for this reason a man, by the way, that's a man, not a little immature male, it's a man talks about maturity. A man will leave his father and mother. That means I'm not dependent upon my mom and dad for any type of financial assistance, emotional assistance, anything like that. I leave my mother and father. I leave their home. I'm not living in the basement. I leave their home, and I'll be united, be united to his wife. Again, this is a woman. It has an idea of maturity here, not immaturity, and the two will become one flesh. Then he goes on and says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. That was Jesus' response to no-fault divorce. Don't let man separate something that God has put together, that God has joined together. Let no man separate it. And, and listen, I, I know so many good people that have suffered the pain of divorce and the heartache of divorce. And we've walked through many, with many couples that situation. And, and as, as hard and as difficult as it is, let me just say this, being in a loveless marriage, you wanna talk about pain? Just walk through a divorce. That's a whole nother realm of pain. Being in a marriage where there's not love, where there's not the kind of things we're talking about, that is very difficult. And that can be painful. But divorce, there is a, it's a tearing away of a relationship. It's like if you got two pieces of paper like this, 
and you glued them together with, with rubber cement and you left it alone for a month and then you go to those two pieces of paper and you try to separate them after they've been glued together, you're gonna end up tearing those pieces of paper. That's what divorce is. What God has joined together, let no one separate. And again, I'm not talking about a, a relationship where someone's being physically abused. You need to distance yourself from that. But now we have this thing that in our culture and society about emotional abuse. And that just simply is, you don't make me happy. What God's joined together, let no one separate. If, if, if you're in a, in a relationship, if you're in a marriage where there's physical abuse, you need to separate. You, you need to bring some distance. You need to set some, some clear boundaries and, and perimeters. But understand this, Jesus' words are true here, what he's quoting, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one separate it. And so for those that have experienced the pain of divorce, I, I would encourage you with this from this day forward. There's the hope from this day forward. And, and we have to learn and we have to really uh, live the teachings of God's word in order for any future relationship that we have from this day forward to be what God wants it to be. And so here's the big idea really in this concluding message today. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. And what is a covenant? A, a, a covenant, uh, it, the word covenant literally means to cut. To, to, to cut. Sometimes you see in the old Western movies, they'll, they'll uh, the, the uh, Indians and the, the cowboys will, will make a covenant and they'll take a knife out and they'll cut their hand and they'll mingle blood together. Covenant is greater than a contract. It's the mingling of blood. And the whole thing is this, once you mingle blood, you can't separate it back out again. It's a permanent thing, just like those two pieces of paper that are rubber cemented and glued together. And, and interesting enough, you find this even in the Bible because we have the Old Testament is Old Covenant is what it's called. New Testament is the New Covenant. And uh, what they literally would do, uh, and there's record of this uh, in Genesis chapter 15 where God made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, bring these animals and cut them in half. And that's how they would make covenant in ancient time. They would literally cut them in half and then walk up and down in the midst of that blood as a symbol of if we break our covenant, may God sever us in half, physically, just like these animals have been severed in half. Pretty interesting, uh, uh, there's so much, and don't have time to go into all of it today, but, but, the, but there's so much in the marriage ceremony itself that is covenant, not contract, it's a covenant together. That's why churches even have center aisles. Do you know what that's called? We go, here comes a bride, all dressed in white. That's literally a symbolism of walking down the center aisle. The two sections are the severed animal. And it's called the walk of death, the bride walking down the center aisle coming forward for a covenant to be made between a man and a woman. So the the wedding processional is actually, all of it goes back to covenant. 
and the way that covenant is supposed to be made. It's not cultural. It's amazing. All these different cultures still has that. Thousands and thousands of years. And so there's the walk of death. I'm dying to myself, the bride is saying. And the same for the groom as he cuts covenant. I'm dying to myself. We're forming something today that's more permanent than any other relationship on earth. That's covenant. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, it's pretty interesting, David made a covenant with Jonathan. And you know so some of the interesting things, again, about covenant? When a covenant's made, you know what you have? The exchanging of goods, like rings in a wedding. It's a symbol of covenant that's being cut between two people. And they, uh, Jonathan pulls off his belt, and he gives it to David as a symbol of the covenant, the promise that they were going to look out for each other, even when Jonathan's father, Saul, was hunting down David to kill him. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 18. God's covenant with Abraham, the father of our faith. We find that in Genesis 15. Fascinating stuff. You read it sometime. I encourage you to. Think about, fast forward into the New Testament. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, with this understanding of covenant that it can't be taken away, that it's, that it's cut in blood. That's what it literally means. Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 20. Jesus says, in the same way, after the supper, took the cup saying, look at this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He said, I'm gonna shed my blood to cut covenant with you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. So marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. What is a covenant? Let me just kind of give you this definition. It means to cut, but ultimately it means this. Covenant, an unofficial, I'm sorry, an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. That's what a covenant is. An unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. That's what covenant, it, it's not based on if you do this for me, I'm gonna do this for you. That's a contract. That's what if you ever close on a house, you buy a house, your mortgage, and you have to sign all these papers. And basically the bank's saying this, we're gonna give you this money, but if you do this, we're coming after you. If you do this, we're gonna do this to you. If you do this, we're gonna do this to you. And so much of American marriage is based on contract, not covenant. Covenant is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. I love you, and there's nothing you can do to change that. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. In fact, think about it for, with our kids so many times. We, we know our kids aren't perfect, don't we? But what do we say all the time? Well, that's my flesh and blood. But you know, you don't really have a covenant with your children, but you do with your spouse. Blood is thicker than water. Jesus said, this is the blood of my new covenant. It's the greatest relationship, the highest and the closest relationship any human beings can ever experience, covenant. It's the relationship that God wants you and I to experience with him, covenant. That's why he sent Jesus. An unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. God has an unconditional commitment to you and to me as imperfect as we are because of the covenant that Jesus sealed with the shedding of his blood. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 tells us this. We love, why? Because he first loved us. He's the one that made the covenant. 
He's the one who, who, when we didn't want anything to do with him, God sent his son. That's what the scripture tells us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. When we could care less about him, he sent his son to make a covenant with you and with me. And here's the thing about covenant. That's why it's so important. His covenant of love gives me the power to love my spouse with covenant love. Because I've received covenant love from God through his son Jesus Christ, I can extend covenant love to my spouse because he's first loved me. That's why it's so important. God cares so much about our relationships with people because it demonstrates how much we understand the lengths he's gone to for us. His covenant love gives me the power to love my spouse in covenant, unconditional love as well. So let me give you just a couple of a contrast about between covenant and, and uh, contract to help us understand it a little bit better. Here's the first one. Covenant is based on commitment. Covenant is based on commitment. Contract, though, is based on mutual distrust. I don't really trust you, so I gotta have all this stuff in writing. And if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. If you don't, we're done. That's, co- that's a contract. That's a con- and people break contracts all the time. Covenant, though, is based on mutual commitment. I'm committed to you no matter what. And sh- she's committing to me. My wife Susie committed to me no matter what. Sickness and health, rich or poor, till death do us part. We have a covenant, not a contract, a covenant. Commitment means what? Say covenant is based on mutual commitment. Commitment means being willing to be unhappy for a while until we work things out. That's what commitment means. Commitment means I understand I, I'm, I'm going to do some things that I don't intend to do, but they're st- I'm just stupid. I'm a, I'm a, 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 a f- faulty person, I'm not perfect, and I'm going to do some stuff that hurts you. But because of the covenant, you may not be happy, but we're going to work it out because we have a covenant together. You know, that's why they call it, you know, honeymoon. <laughs> you know what the honeymoon is, don't you? Honeymoon literally means sweet month. Honey moon. One cycle of the moon throughout the course of the month. Honeymoon. Why do they call it a honeymoon? Because after that it ain't so sweet anymore. That's why they call it a honeymoon. And, and, and you need something a little bit stronger than if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. But if you don't, I'm not either and I'm out of here. Need covenant. Here, here's another contrast between covenant and contract covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibility covenant covenant is i give you everything I, I give you everything it surrenders my rights to to you're supposed to do all this stuff for me that's the language of contract covenant is i surrender and i'm going to live my life for you you get everything that i am i'm not holding back anything from you not financially, not physically, not emotionally, and not, not any part of my life at all. It's all yours. That's covenant. 
I take responsibility to give you everything that I am. That's covenant. Contract, though, protects rights and shirks responsibility. You did that. It's your fault. It's not my fault. It's your fault. And, and protects rights. No, this is, this is my stuff right here. And I've got my bank account and I've got my life, and you've got your life, and every now and then we just kind of connect. But, but if you do me wrong, I'm packing up and I'm heading out. Major contrast here. Covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibility. Contract protects rights and shirks responsibilities. Here's the third contrast between covenant and contract. Covenant has the interest of the other in mind. What what would be best for my spouse? That's the mindset of covenant. What can I do to make my spouse's life better? To make it easier? Covenant has the interest of the other person really above our own personal interests. What is contract? Contract has personal convenience in mind. You should be doing what makes me happy. You, you need to do what, what will fulfill me and my dreams. Major difference here between covenant and contract. God's word calls us back to covenant marriage. Covenant marriage, the way he created it to be. We need to go back and begin to define marriage the way that the creator did, by covenant, not by contract. It's not a legal arrangement. It's a spiritual arrangement that that a husband and a wife, a bride and groom, walk the walk of death and say, I surrender myself to you for the rest of my life. The two become one. Not two having a contractual relationship. They become one in every way, in every shape, in every form, till death do them part. That's the language of Scripture. That's the language of God. The language that God speaks is covenant. He spoke it through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. It's all about covenant. So, kind of bringing this whole series to a conclusion, this, this whole idea of, of covenant and contract is so important, and, and that's why you know, we thought it would be so fitting to uh, really have a great event at the end of this series and give married couples the opportunity to renew their vows and and that's going to be on uh december the 6th at six o'clock actually today's the last day you can sign up for that because we have to make some preparations for those couples that are do want to do that so i encourage you to if you haven't yet and you're kind of on the fence make the step take the step to sign up to renew your vows on december the 6th and i don't know when if we'll ever do this again like this but we really feel like as a staff like this would be the ideal way to just kind of conclude this series. And so that we're going to have opportunity to renew your vows. Covenants are vows. Contracts are just little promises, not vows. Very, very different. So from this day forward, what are we going to do? For, from this day forward, how's it going to look? Malachi chapter 2, verse 16 God speaks to the prophet Malachi, and listen to what he says about marriage and how we're handling this and all this. He says, so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth, which you made covenant with, 
The man who hates and uh, the man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect. Isn't that amazing? God sees divorce as violence to your spouse. Now tell me you can go through that without feeling incredible amount of pain. God says it's like violence. And when a husband, when a man divorces his wife, it's like being violent with her. That's how God sees it. That, that they do violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard, watch this now, and do not be unfaithful. Be faithful to your spouse in every way, shape, and form. Not just physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, in every way. Be faithful to your spouse. Let me put it this way. Love doesn't give a person what they deserve. Love gives a person what they need. Love doesn't give a person what they deserve or what they've earned. That's contract talk. Love gives a person what they need. What it is they really need. That's love. And so I think there's three things from this day forward that we need to keep in mind as we move out and conclude this series and we just, we begin to live this out in our marriages. First thing is this, we will make the choice to love. We will make the choice, we choose to love. Notice I didn't say, we'll hope those feelings to love are there. Because feelings follow decisions. That's the way it should be. And so we'll make the choice to love. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. I think it makes this really, really clear. And over all these virtues, look at this, put on love. It doesn't say feel love. It says put it on. Make the decision to love. It's a decision. Put it on. Put it on in the morning from this day forward. Mercies are gonna be new every morning for my spouse. Put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Make the decision. We will make the choice to love. I will make the choice to love my spouse. I'm going to put on love every day for my spouse. Here's the second thing we need to do from this day forward. We will prioritize our relationship. We will prioritize our relationship. When you have a covenant with someone, that is the number one priority. And here's the thing, going back to what we talked about, seek God first, why? Because we have a covenant with God. We have a covenant with God because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, his perfect life, his death on the cross and his resurrection, his blood shed for a new covenant. Priority number one. What's the second priority? My children, no. It's my spouse. I have a covenant with my spouse. That's a permanent relationship. The parent-child relationship is actually a temporary relationship. Lasts about 18 years, and then they're adults, and they need to be treated like adults. So we will prioritize our relationship. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 9, puts it this way. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. In other words, whatever I find myself getting back to me in marriage, guess what? That's what I'm actually given. Don't deceive ourselves. If as a husband, things are a little wonky between me and my wife and I don't like the way she's treating me, guess what? I'm reaping what I've sowed. 
I'm getting back what I've been given. And he goes on and says, let us not become weary in what? Doing good, because we reap what we sow. We get back what we've given. Don't, go, don't get weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if we what? Do not give up. Do not give up. This is why it's so important. The Bible talks about not being unequally yoked with an unbeliever. How, how can you enter into a covenant with someone that doesn't even understand covenant? That, that, that has not experienced the covenant love of God in their life and surrender their life first to Jesus Christ. How are they gonna surrender their life to you in covenant marriage if they can't, they've never surrendered their life to Christ? If you're in a marriage and, and, and you're a believer and your spouse is not, don't give up. Don't give up. We've, we've seen so many tremendous things that God has done. When one spouse, uh, they, they're married, one comes to faith after that wedding. And, and just being faithful, not growing weary, and seeing God just turn the heart of that other spouse. And if that's the case, I'd say don't give up. If you're single, I'd say don't get married. You, you, you don't want to walk through that type of marriage like that. That's why the Bible warns us about it, because marriage is covenantal, not contractual. We will make the choice to love. We will prioritize our relationship. And here's the third thing, and really the most important, and this is why we need to be in covenant marriage with Christians. We'll trust God. We're, we're going to trust God together. We're going to seek him together. We'll trust God. Why is that so important, putting God first, seeking him together? Right back where we started in this series from this day forward. Psalm 127 verse 1 puts it this way. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless God's at the center, unless God's first, not second, not just a weekend thing, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. I've talked to too many Christians that said, I'm working so hard at my marriage. It just seems like there's no change. And sometimes, with as much grace and courage as I can muster, I have to ask them, is God at the center of it? Is he the one that's building that house, or is it you? Is it built on the rock? As Jesus told that story about the wise builder who built his house on the rock, it's the Lord. Or is it built on the sand? Because the storms are going to come. Every one of us experiences storms in our lives, storms in our marriage. If it's built on the sand, on the world's way, it will fall apart. If we build our marriages and letting the Lord build it with Him at the center and Him first, it'll stand when those storms come. Otherwise, we're just working, and it's labor, but there's nothing really happening. And so I want to just pray right now. I want to pray for 
our marriages. I, I want to pray for those that are single, that we'll hold out for the spouse that God brings to us while we're putting God number one, seeking number one while preparing for number two, and that we'll hold out for covenantal love that's based first and foremost on myself. I've received God's covenant of love through surrendering my life to Christ, and I'm waiting for God to bring me the right person who's also surrendered their life to Christ in covenant love. I, I will seek the one while waiting for the two. And that if we're married, that we'll seek the one together. Because unless the Lord builds the house, we're just spinning our wheels in vain. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that your way is not the way of the world. It's not the way of our culture. It's not the way of our nation. And Lord, we thank you that you've, you've explained and you've more than explained and instructed us, you've shown us your way when we consider the covenant that you made with every one of us that would surrender our life and receive your son, Jesus Christ, as our savior. Father, I pray for those of us that are married, that, that today, even as we've talked about the difference between covenant and contract, Lord, that we would make the line in the sand from this day forward, I'm going to live out my covenant of marriage with my spouse, not a contract anymore. I'm going to look at marriage the way God does as a covenant from this day forward till death do us part. And Lord, for those that are single, God, I pray that, that if anyone here has not surrendered their life to Christ because of the covenant that he shed, the shedding of his blood on the cross, that today would be the day that we surrender our life and place our faith in Jesus Christ. And if we're single, we will seek you, Lord. We'll seek you and we'll work on our relationship with you and prepare for that person you bring to us that also will have experienced your covenant love and will walk out covenant marriage in the future. God, I pray right now a blessing upon all the marriages in the Valley family and Lord, all those that are not married but it's in their heart one day to be. I pray that the words and the things that we've talked about in this series that they would hold in their hearts while seeking you and working on their relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.